experience Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania in 3D. Scott Lang, you have a daughter. You're an Avenger. But out here, you're out of your league. On February 17th. Kang's a monster. He can shatter existence. An Avenger. I don't care what he can do. I'm getting us home. Must face a conqueror. You may not want her to watch this. Yeah! I'm sorry, Cassie. Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania. Experience it in 3D. February 17th. Rated PG-13. May be inappropriate for children under 13. Hi, and welcome to Deep Dive with Jamie Stein, where we take a deep dive look at all things reality TV, pop culture, and the world at large. I'm an intuitive and an empath, which means I pick up on the thoughts, feelings, and energy percolating in other people in the world around me. I believe there is meaning waiting to be found at every turn, if you're willing to see it. So join me as we dismantle everything from trash TV to high spiritual concepts and learn more about ourselves, each other, and how we're all connected. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Deep Dive with Jamie Stein. I am so excited by today's episode. I'm excited by today's topic. I'm excited by today's guest. I am here with um, someone who I imagine a lot of you are familiar with. I'm assuming a lot of people listening to this are also listeners of BitSesh. I'm here with a very, very good friend of the BitSesh podcast, actress, writer, podcaster herself, Deanna Chang. Hi. Hi, Deanna. How are you? Great. How are you? I'm very well. Thank you. Well, this is the first time that we're properly... Well, it's not the first time. It's the, Well, it's the first time we're properly... Properly. Meeting. Yeah. We had like one little introduction via Casey Wilson outside of a coffee shop, like way back when. Um, but obviously, we kind of know each other through both being on BitSesh. And um, I know I've shared this with you before, but I just always, in listening to you, really appreciated your point of view and found it to be very, very sensitive and I would say quite intuitive. Like, I remember listening to you and, and hearing your take on, on the cast members and really feeling like, oh, Deanna, like, you, you read. You read the behavior. You read into the words. You sense the underlying energy. And to me, it always felt quite astute. So, oh my God, that is such high praise coming from you. And I appreciate that so much. And you are so good at what you do. Oh. You hit me with some thoughts about myself that were shockingly accurate in terms of just some like really kind words, but also some direction, you know, on uh, how to proceed in life. And I so appreciated it. And I thought like I actually played it for my husband, who's very much not in. He always says he's not into I don't know, like a medium or a intuitive or, you know, something along those lines. He would say, oh, I'm not a believer, but he listened. I told him what you said and he was like, yeah, he nailed it. <laughs> so, um, yeah, you're great. Oh, thank you. And that's actually I, I my confession is that um, I secretly love like I love skeptics and cynics mm. and I love I don't know, hanging in the mix with them, I think in part because I actually I don't care. I, I never right. really care about proving anything. And and I kind of, 
I like skeptics and cynics. I think cynicism is important. You know, mm-hmm. I think it's important to like have a healthy dose of skepticism. I think it's important to question, question things. And so I don't know why. I, and I like the contrary nature of it. But, and mm-hmm. also, of course, there's always a secret delight and pleasure when you can kind of win some Absolutely. sort of trust of like a skeptic or, or a cynic. Um, and I also just appreciated too, and I think this is something I shared with you. It's, I just experience you as having like a really kind of what I call a, a subtle energy and like a, like it feels like a quiet sensitivity, which, uh, you know, I love bitch sesh and it's funny and it's dynamic, but there's a lot of like larger than life personalities. <laughs> and so I always just enjoy your voice cause it just feels very grounding, but it feels strong, but in a very kind of like subtle way. And I think, I think I actually relate to that too. Like, I think I relate to that mm-hmm. kind of, um, I know what it is to be in the room full of big personalities and to kind of like be holding something down that maybe is a little bit quieter. Maybe not everyone's like picking up on it, but it's kind of a crucial ingredient to the mix. And that's kind I love of that. how I, uh, how I experience you. I hope it's okay. That oh I my say God, that. that's amazing. And, um, yes, I think that's a compliment. So I will take it. Okay, great. And then the other reason why I'm just happy you're here, and we were talking a bit about this uh, before we started recording, is just, you know, for me, um, I'm never not fully aware that this, like me sitting here doing this podcast right now, is definitely a direct uh, result of appearing on BitSash, and that that really was... um, it was a really opening experience for me in a lot of ways. So I just think it's exciting for me to have someone who, you know, it feels like you, you're you strongly connected to the podcast. And I kind of like having that, that bitch sesh energy here. I feel like it's like the womb from which I was birthed. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> yeah. I, and you know what's also kind of fun is that I'm in your home right now. Mm-hmm. And I have not been a lot of places in the last year and a half in terms of outside my own home and my pod, you know, which is like my sister, you know, mm-hmm. so it's really nice to just like walk into someone else's home and plop down because we haven't we don't know each other, you know, we know each other, but we don't we have never done this before, yeah. like face to face. I'm in your house. And I got to say, it feels just so great to be experiencing like a new thing with a person that I want to be with right now, oh, to yeah. be honest, like truly. Yeah, no, I love it. It's again, you are literally my first in-person oh uh, podcast. <laughs> oh, really? I think so. Oh, my God. Amazing. Maybe. Yeah, I know, because I started recording during the pandemic. Yeah, you're the first in-person podcast. This and is I, huge. And it was a moment, too, because I realized I'm just so used to doing it through Zoom, so I assumed that's what we were going to do. And then right. I, I actually sent you that email being like, well, actually, I guess we're now in a, in a moment in time where... I can ask you, do you want to do this in person or do you want to do this over the Yeah, computer? I grabbed the in person. I was like, let's do it. Let's be in person for the love of God. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Well, you know, we are in this kind of strange moment in time where it feels like everyone kind of keeps saying it's the end and it's over, right. but clearly it's not. But um, at least it's evolving and something's kind of opening. Uh, although, not to get too far afield from what we're here to discuss. It, it has been a little strange to me. It feels like it, it just felt to me like in the collective, there is this, um, there is this voice that kind of wants to say like, okay, it's over now. And I'm just sort of looking around being like, what are you talking about? Is anyone dealing with what's happened for the last year and a half? Is anyone dealing with what's still happening? It feels like there's a little bit of like collective 
denial. Correct. Yeah. So that's a little strange. It is. And it, and clearly, I mean, we don't want to hear the words Delta variant. Those two words are not pleasant to the ear. Mm-hmm. I want to beat those words up. But they're with us. And it, the way I feel right now is I want to just take a couple moments that we have right now and just use them, even though I haven't really, I've sort of do have that feeling of like I'm still in the house, you know, and I'm not do I'm like not doing a ton, but I think we're going back in on some level soon. I don't know. I don't really know what I'm saying. All I know is that I took the opportunity to do an in-person podcast. That's my, that's, that's all I know. Cause I was like, I don't know what is coming. Well, good. Well, I'm so glad you did. I'm so glad you're here. Well, having said all that, why don't we dive in? Because I feel like we've got a lot to address. Okay. We are going to jump into the the dark, turbulent waters of the Real Housewives (laughs) of New York City, Um, both just to kind of discuss the season at large, Mm because it's a pretty hot topic. It's been a pretty controversial season, I think, for a lot of people, and a lot of people have been really unhappy with it. And also, perhaps to take a little detour into Sonia Morgan, who a lot of people have been asking me about and want to hear more about. So um, she's another one of those housewives that I I tend to kind of consciously stay away from because Mm -hmm. it just feels like a lot. Um, But... You know, I gotta, I gotta answer the call of my listeners, and and a lot of people have been asking for it. So we'll see where this wants to go. So having said all that, let me just start with where are you in terms of the season? Well, I will say not to toot my own horn, but <laughs> um, I'm in a little housewives text thread, and um, I have like I have the receipt. I don't have it on my person right now, but I think it was January, mid-January. I said to the thread, I am not looking forward for the first time ever. I'm not looking forward to Real Housewives of New York. I said we have like we've basically Luann is just sort of stagnant right now. We're learning nothing new about Ramona. Sonia is great, but we've done this dance for a while. And without Bethany, Dorinda, or Tinsley, I'm just not feeling like we have much. And it seems like the new girl, Ebony, is exceedingly normal. So I'm worried. And the thread went off on me. You're wrong. They always bring it. How can you feel this way? Look inward on yourself. Just like go inside, find out what's going wrong. And I'm like, I'm sorry. (laughs) Like I just, I'm not happy about this feeling, but I just don't know that we're going to have something. I'm not, I'm just not excited. That's it. I'm just not excited for the first time ever. So to your point, I may have some intuition. And I think, all for all those reasons, you know, we're having a tough time. Mm-hmm. And I think Dorinda needed a break, but I also think, she, you know, between her and Bethany, there's such forces of nature. And without them, um, I and, and I don't want Dorinda back this season. So it's not, I don't even know what I want. I just know there's a missing ingredient that's tough. And I think Ebony, who I think I would be friends with, mm-hmm. I like her. 
she came in with a plan, Mm -hmm. clearly. She knows the show. She knows the players. She's like, I feel like, I feel like she came in like, if if I'm going to be the first black housewives on Real Housewives of New York, I'm going to go and I'm going to do it my way and it's going to be intentional and I'm going to, you know, be very clear with these women who I am and what I stand for and my mission in life. And that's, that's great to do, but I don't know if it makes a great season. Mm-hmm. But that's not, it's not all hanging on Ebony, but we have her over here and then we have all the women sort of flatlining for me right now. I mean, I don't know. I just, the chemistry is not there. I'm missing something. Mm-hmm. That's where I'm at right now. Well, I don't know if this will bring you comfort, but I could actually go a step further Please. than your initial text, which is I actually felt New York has been repetitive and stagnant for seasons. Mm. Um, specifically because of what you're saying. Like, I feel like these women who, I mean, I want to be clear. I think they're dynamic in right. their own way. I've watched it every season. Uh, I still get enjoyment out of it. But, you know, for me, for seasons, Dorinda was on a hamster wheel. Mm-hmm. Sonia was on a hamster mm-hmm. wheel. Luann was on a hamster wheel. I mean, Luann gave us a lot with the Tom of it all and the cabaret that kind of was <laughs> a, you know, there was, there was a, there was a, there was a wave that crested there. Um, but beyond that, I guess what I want to say is like Dorinda, Sonia and Luann, like those three, they've felt so emotionally limited to me mm-hmm. and so stuck mm-hmm. in their kind of tunnel vision. Totally. That it's just been for me for seasons now, it's just kind of been watching them go through the same emotional cycle over and over and over. Okay. And I feel like their kind of capacity for true self-reflection is just so limited that there's truly nowhere for it to go. And then as far as Bethany goes, and again, I know this is going to be kind of another unpopular opinion, since she returned, I've not understood what everyone else sees in her. Like when people talk about how good she is for the show, I've never quite felt or seen that. What I've seen is someone who I felt had a real chokehold on the cast because she had so much power. Right. I felt like she was producing the show. I felt like everyone was kind of deferring to her in a way. And I felt like there was a way that she kind of kept herself above it all she did and then meanwhile none of them really have significant others or at least i guess dorinda had john for a while but even he i mean it was he's he's not that significant you know ultimately he's an insignificant other who then (laughs) dropped off the radar entirely so it just for me for several seasons now it's just kind of felt like it's been navigating the same terrain Mm -hmm. over and over and over and so i know everyone's always saying like oh new york it's the crown jewel it's the crown jewel it's the crown jewel I've kind of just been like, eh, I haven't really loved it. since. You've seen the writing on the wall. I thought season five was like one of the best seasons. What? Where are we at right now? I, I don't hold the numbers in my brain. I don't know where we're at right now because it got so repetitive. Okay. I feel like since Bethany came back, it all became a blur in my mind. Mm. I think season 10 was the season that Luann went to jail. Okay. I think we're in 13. Oh, wow. Maybe. So you're back in five. Yeah, like the season where they went to St. Bart's and Luann slept wow. with the pirates. Yeah, those were the days. Those, I mean, those that were was... the days. I'm actually also realizing because of COVID, there's another factor that's been taken away, which is dick. Mm-hmm. There is no searching for it this season. That's true. And that's real tough 
because where they lack in storyline, they have, for me, made up for in The Hunt. The they are animals. Every single last <laughs> I've never, never in co- never in my life. Maybe one friend in college was like constantly on the hunt, you know. But these women, I mean, my hat is off. I'm saluting them. They're amazing. We're missing that. COVID has taken that from us. It's taken a lot. Well, that's the thing. I think COVID's taken a lot. I mean, that's also what I've been aware of. And I don't know what the difference is, for example, between this franchise and. Dallas, which I actually think had a pretty decent season amidst COVID. I think Beverly Hills is making it work. I don't know what it is specifically about New York, but I am feeling COVID this season. I'm feeling every empty space they're in where it's like an empty restaurant or an empty club. And they're just kind of at their own table in the middle of a cavernous room. Maybe part of that too is because the fact that there aren't husbands and there aren't families. So their lives feel so, um, it it just feels so like scarce, you know, there's just nothing going on other than just kind of the insular together. Exactly. Yeah. So there's kind of nowhere for it to go. No, I I think that's totally accurate. And I am curious how you're feeling about Leah, because I was looking at Twitter and I saw that, Oh, people are really, really, really pinning a lot of this on Leah and people who loved her last season are hating her this season And it's interesting because I'm not having that experience. I did maybe the first two episodes. I was like, ugh. But I don't, I don't, I'm having a hard time understanding. And I'm sure it's on me. Do you know what I mean? Like, I'm, I'm not saying everyone's wrong, but what the difference is from last season. You know, I, I sort of feel like she seemed to want to please everyone more last season. And now she seems to want to be bossy a little bit more, you know, manage people. That's a little annoying, but I, I don't know. She seems kind of the same to me. I don't know. She seems totally the same to me, but I'm someone who didn't like her last season. Okay. So, so I think that's where I, this is my version of your text thread. I, I was one of the few people who did, I didn't like her last season. I found her to be exhausting. I Mm. found her obsession with Ramona to be tiring. I felt like she demanded to be accepted for who she was, but then she wouldn't accept other people for who they were. It's kind Mm. of like, you got to accept me as who I am, but then you better change to please me. I just, and I think people, I think a lot of people rallied around her because she was going against Ramona. And of course, Ramona can be a huge asshole, but, um, I mean, I spoke a lot about this in my, in one of my episodes where I kind of explored alcohols on NYC, but I'll never forget, you know, that birthday party where Ramona literally said to her like, Hey, I want to include you. I want to invite you to my birthday party. What's important to me is that we just don't have another repeat, you know, of kind of what happened at that one like Newport dinner. And Leah shows up to the party, is pissed at Ramona, intentionally, purposely gets drunk, makes a spectacle, clearly is a fuck you. And Mm -hmm. then when Ramona gets pissed, Leah turns around and says, you're psychotic. And then accuses Ramona of gaslighting her. And I'm just like, no, Leah, you actually purposely provoked a reaction out of Ramona and then called her psychotic for it. That's literally the definition of gaslighting. I know she she tricked me. She tricked me. She did. Because I sort of was like, yeah, Ramona's overreacting. And maybe it was in with Sonia, like, breaking glass. But, but yes, I hear you 100%. 
Yeah, I mean, there was a lot that I had to say about Leah last season. So for me, she's the exact same. Okay. But I don't know. I can't speak to the experience of like really liking her last season and now not liking her because to me, it's just been consistent. I will say actually, and we'll probably get there, like last night's episode... I actually started yeah. to warm to her. This a was her. Bit. This was the best episode. It was a by far. And we've showed up. You know, whatever episode in this is, we're actually in something because it has been bleak. Yes. Bleak, bleak, bleak. Well, so I want to. Yeah, I definitely want to touch on the ebony of it all. Yeah, you know, I think. God, I didn't know how I felt, and then I was watching the episode from two weeks ago and then I was watching last night's episode and I suddenly like I found my rage and I found my feelings. Mm. I, I have such strong feelings about what's going on right now. And my rage is, I really feel it directed towards Bravo as a network. I hear that. Um, I feel like there's something almost cynical about what's happened this season where it's like, okay, you know, obviously we're in a moment in time and there's a national conversation going on. And it's kind of like, I mean, look, it's clear that Bravo's MO is let's just reactively deal with things so we can look like, you know, we're part of the cultural shift. So if that means we're just going to, you know, quickly fire Stasi and Kristen, right. let's do it. Which, by the way, I'm fine with them being right. fired. It's I mean, not it's not a yeah. defense of them. By all means, what they did was incredibly problematic and uh, distressing. So, you know, you, you do the time. You do the crime. You yeah. do the Crime, you do the time. So I'm fine with them being fired, but still, there's something about the way that Bravo, it just sort of felt to me like, okay, we fired them, we washed our hands of them, like we did our part. But meanwhile, there's no real ownership of the fact that Bravo profited off these personalities for years, gave them a platform for their awfulness for years. I mean, Bravo essentially created a hit show off their awfulness for years. And, you know, let's not even ignore the fact that. Bravo didn't take action around this back when it happened years ago. And this was public information. I mean, I remember hearing about this whole little kerfuffle around Faith and, and, and Kristen and Stasi calling the cops on her years ago. And obviously, Bravo had no problem turning a blind eye back to Bravo had no problem turning a blind eye to it back then when those personalities were still profitable for them. But I feel like once the conversation shifted and suddenly it was no longer in Bravo's best interest from an optics standpoint to stand behind them, it's like, okay, we're going to fire them so that way we can kind of, um, you know, basically act as if, you know, we're taking constructive part in this in this collective shift. But really we're not, taking any self-responsibility for our part in this and we're sort of just letting them hang out to dry after essentially encouraging them to be problematic people all of these years it's just there's something that was just very distasteful about it for me and so i feel like that's kind of bravo's mo and so then you look at like real housewives of new york city and it's their response is, let's throw this woman, Ebony, into the mix. And I just like, I mean, even it kind of hurts my heart a little bit because when I think about Ebony, this is a woman who already has kind of um, made an entire life around someone who like bridges the gap you know mm -hmm. like she's someone who went to fox news with an intention to like bridge the gap she taught i think she's even talked about in the show like i'm someone who knows how to connect with women like ramona like it is clearly um you know this is something that she does in her life where she sees herself as a bridge right and 
they they take this woman, they throw her in this mix, and I also want to say, like, people can say all they want that it, it's like, I feel like there are some people who are coming down really hard on Ebony for sort of doing what she's attempting to do, which is to kind of bring this conversation to this particular context and milieu. But the fact is, I remember when the show premiered and she had her like BLM mask and, and whatnot. Mm-hmm. And I remember people literally saying, Ebony understands the assignment. So right. it's kind of like whatever people are saying now, they're at least in some part was kind of an expectation and an understanding of like, Ebony, this is your assignment. This is what you're going to go and do. That was coming from the outside. She clearly feels that from the inside as well. You're throwing her into the mix with these women like Luann and Ramona. And it's like, who are never going to get this. They're thick, you know? I mean, Luann can't even tolerate like a no. conversation about, you know, personal. Know. In some ways, Luann's honestly less tolerant than Ramona. And it's weird. No, a hundred percent. I'm actually surprised by it. Well, that's why I was so surprised in last night's episode when, or was it two weeks ago when Ebony was saying to Luann, like, well, you're at least listening. Cause I actually, my sense is, I think what's going on with Ramona, I actually did even drop in a little bit okay, to Ramona. You around... in. I love when you drop in. <laughs> I dropped into Ramona around, you know, Obviously, she shuts these conversations down. What I kind of get off her, I think for Ramona, a lot of her defensiveness in this context is this feeling of like, oh, you're not going to set me up. Like feeling like she doesn't want to get set up. Like she's going to get set up to be... Kicked off, quite frankly. I mean, ultimately, to lose her job. I think that's actually at the crux of it. You're probably right. I was sort of seeing it as just like being the conservative villain, you know, the one who voted for Trump. All of that. But I think like ultimately, she doesn't want to get fired. Yeah. That makes sense. You know? Yeah. So I think in the place where she feels like she might be getting set up, it's yep. kind of like, boom, no, we're not doing this. Right. Um, but having said that, like when I feel into Ramona, I actually do feel like she's someone who could mm-hmm. get it. I agree. Um, whereas with Luann, I feel like hell will freeze over before she can ever understand the nuances of like white fragility or white privilege. Like she will never, it's like dealing with an emotional five-year-old. Right. But I think that Luann, God bless her because, you know, I probably could benefit from a little bit of what she has, which is like just... It's her, 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 her. She never is not thinking about Luann. Ever, ever, never. And she also likes, she will drop something so quickly. So any sort of conflict, she's so willing to just like drop it and move on, which I think is not a bad quality. But she can't take in someone else. It's not available. She never like, and Sonia has her number this season on that. You know, she's like, oh, you want to talk about dating, the dating, how it went for me, because you want to see what you can get out of it. Like, <laughs> Luann's not asking Sonia to find out how it went for Sonia. I don't think she's ever asking anyone a question to find out about them. I don't know that she's asked anyone a question in the 12 years we've been <laughs> with her about them. Has she? Has no. she ever asked anyone a question about them? No. Ever? <laughs> a question? I'm talking about one question a probing question about their life no jamie are you serious well i mean i literally no but like you are getting the like no like generally speaking no my sense of her is no No. i mean she can barely take a breath 
Do you know what I mean? Like she's like a shallow breather. She can't sit still. Ooh. She can't. I mean, I'm just sitting here kind of like feeling it in my body. It's like her heart is like just so guarded and protected. She can't breathe deeply. I mean, I always get the sense with her. It's just there's a lot of terror, actually. She's kind of talked about not getting a lot of, I think she was like one of many children. So there wasn't a lot of time and attention. And for me, it always just kind of registers as like, I, I almost get this sense of like panic of, yeah, there's not enough to go around. And what if I'm in trouble? What if I need help? There's no one here to help me. Almost like an existential level of kind of fear that kind of feels like I can't sit still long enough to like take someone else in. Because if I do, if I sit still long enough to take someone else in, that means I'm going to be still enough to take myself in on a deeper level. And if I take myself in, that's the place where I might realize, holy shit, I feel like I need help. I feel like I'm in trouble. And my old childhood fear or story is that there's no one out there to actually help me. So let me just... And yeah, me, 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 me. It's like a, it's like an intoxicating drug, right? That just kind of keeps her just floating, yeah, like above the reality. Yeah, it's almost ironic, right? Because it's it in in being so compulsively obsessed and focused on herself in this kind of superficial way, it becomes a way to actually avoid herself on a deeper level by being me 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 it prevents luann from ever having to be i think in the kind of deep relational relationship with others that would actually take her into deeper connection with herself i mean she would need i feel like for luann to get somewhere if she could um she would need to be in a space where it would feel safe for her to slow down long enough yeah, to take people in to breathe. I think she would then have to feel like that terror that she has never kind of let herself feel. I'm so scared right now. (laughs) I really, I it's that is terrifying. Just what you're saying and how that would, that the way she's operating is just like, wow. It makes you feel terror because you're feeling her experience of terror? Or just I'm like- just trying to imagine being in that place, uh-huh. you know, and that just sounds like a nightmare. I mean, she's. In, I feel like she'd be infuriating to deal with in real life. I, I think watching her on TV, I just, you know, I just, I, you know, it's, you can't see me at home. I'm kind of cringing a little. She just feels so young. She feels like a five-year-old mm-hmm. to me. Like, she just feels like such a scared little girl and yeah it's like she can't she can't take in anything whereas Ramona feels more like 15 maybe 25 and I feel like Ramona doesn't want to take things in but it feels more like a choice like a a self-protective defensive Mm -hmm. choice like I'm choosing not to take things in because yeah this is how I keep myself safe but if I wanted to I think Ramona has enough grounding and she's in her body enough that she would feel safe to open and to take people in when she wants to, but it's going to be on her terms. Like she's never going to do it when you want her to do it. Wow. Right. Yeah. I love it. I mean, maybe we should go through the ages of everyone in real housewives of New York. (laughs) (laughs) Is anyone out of their twenties out of curiosity? I, you know, I don't know. Has anyone left? Is anyone in their twenties? 
That's a really good question. I mean, you know, my first instinct was, well, I... Uh, I mean, Ebony I is an s- adult, it seems like. Not an adult. No, I mean, okay. I was going to say Ebony. Yeah, let me let you do your work. What, <laughs> what, where is she? No, I mean, my first... This is the problem. It's, it's a difficult question because, again, yeah, I can kind of touch into, like, these deeper places in everyone. You know what I mean? Right. So it's like... It becomes a bit of a trick question. Right. I think in terms of what we're talking... Okay. In terms of what we're talking about, in terms of emotional maturity, yes. I think Ebony is definitely an adult. Um, I think Bershawn seems to be... Mm. Uh, I mean, Bershawn took me on a wild ride. Wild. <laughs> what a ride. Oh, my marona mia. It was such a ride. Because I was into her, like really yes. into her. And then she had a complete meltdown where I was like... I was much like Ramona. I was like, Bershawn, like, I thought we had something. What's going on? You completely undermined everything that I thought about you. And then she came back around with this really sincere, self-aware apology and kind of brought the group together in a powerful way. So I don't, I don't know where I am with her right now, but I appreciate it. Her apology was great. Her apology was Smithsonian. Like it was one of the best we've ever seen. Mm-hmm. It's what everybody wants an apology to be on these shows and never is. Exactly. You know, and I actually found like her presence at that seance or the reading felt grounding to me. Mm-hmm. Like I was like, she is grounding me in this place right now. Oh, that's so interesting. Do you know why or what it is about her? I felt like everyone seemed a little afraid of their reading. And she just, she wasn't really concerned with her reading, I don't think, one way or the other. But she, the way, I guess whenever we we cut to her, she just looked grounded to me. Well, it's interesting you say that. I don't know if this is connected at all. But I was actually surprised, and I know we're going to get to her. This episode, I felt Sonia more grounded than I've ever felt her. And I was surprised by that. And so when you say Bershawn, I'm like, wait, is Bershawn having a grounding presence oh, on Tanya? Which is a strange thing to say, given that they were the one who got in this right. altercation. And it took Sonia to such a dark, destructive yeah. place. But I will say, um, I I felt Sonia mm-hmm. last night in a way that I typically don't feel her. So I don't know. It's just interesting that like you literally use the word grounding because I was thinking about that about Sonia in particular. And then if you just think about, I mean, I'm always sort of looking at kind of the deeper meaning of everything mm-hmm. that's happening. It's just kind of interesting that I was kind of already experiencing her as more grounded. And then suddenly she's in this reading that's sort of bringing forward information about her. We see her connected to like real feeling and truth, which is something mm-hmm. we don't typically see with her. Right. And just even the fact that she, you know, again, manifested or drew in this, this, seemed to me like quite astute medium who was saying, no, that healer is not enough. Like you need real help. Like that was powerful. Show me a diploma or please don't do it. Like I've never seen a medium ask for extra credentials. Well, that was grounded advice. It was serious nuts and bolts advice. And Sonia was like, okay. And she, yeah, she yeah, heard her. She was like, got it. Even Sonia's response to that sort of disastrous intervention, I was kind of waiting for Sonia to like kind of, you know, do what Sonia does, sort of fly off, get really defensive, start yelling, da, 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 da. And she just kind of shut it down in a way where I was like, oh, okay. Mm-hmm. 
I mean, the thing is, she was so upset about Bershawn calling her a clown. But the fact of the matter is, I mean, I'm not saying the delivery was great or even that she should have been delivering the message in the first place. Yeah. But she's not completely wrong. Well, it was interesting because I felt like I definitely felt defensive of her, of Bershawn, someone we've just met calling Sonia a clown. I was with the girls on that. I'm like, how dare you? You know, and you're coming in saying they're old and she's a clown and they're boring. And I was like, that's not just a nice way to like enter a group. <laughs> um, it's just not like a nice way. But then when she was talking, I think, to Ramona, I don't remember who she was talking to, but she was explaining that like, I just feel like no one's dealing with her correctly and they're letting her act a fool, like foolish, you know? And I was, I I was surprised that that comment was grounded in her actually seeing Sonia kind of clearly and just trying to show her, like just trying to tell her, this is what you're giving me right now. And so I guess I was just surprised that, the clown comment, the whole thing felt very, what's happening? <laughs> no, it was, just, it was just so bizarre because she made herself into a clown in calling Sonia a clown. Yeah. And and also, like, if your gig is, like, your life coach, like, what a wild calling card. You know, you just really <laughs> did some weird-ass marketing, but okay. Um, but actually, when she was when she was explaining, like, you guys are not actually being great friends to Sonia because you're letting her act like this. I feel like no one, no one's really being real with her. This behavior is unacceptable. Yeah. It's so, I mean, I've got so many thoughts going on at once, but it's so interesting because it's like, um, I'm so intrigued by the contrast between Ebony and Bershawn. And I also want to say, I wasn't done talking about Ebony and Bravo, but I'll come back around to that. But it's so interesting because I see, I kind of love that Bershawn is this life coach who's willing to be wild and to make mistakes and, and make messes. To me, it almost is like, that's the life coach I want to go to because right. <laughs> I, I, there's something about that. I'm like, okay, you're taking risks. You're following your impulses. You're taking responsibility for your well, behavior. Yeah, the, we got to look at the full package of it because like at one point I was like, this is crazy. This oh. is just, but like, you're right. When we get to, from A to B to C to then the end of it. Well, exactly. And I, I have to say, as we're talking about this, I'm finding it so interesting and fascinating. And I'm just kind of connecting all the dots in my head. It's like I keep coming back to this notion that Bershawn, in a way, made herself the clown in calling out Sonia as the clown. And it's almost like what's coming to me as we're talking is that Bershawn, and I'm not necessarily saying she did this consciously. But it feels to me almost like on an unconscious or perhaps semi-conscious level, Bershawn became the clown in order to show Sonia the clown. It's like she was literally letting herself embody the clown every time she kept standing up and being like, Sonia, you're doing this. It's like she literally made herself into the clown. And I think there was something about the spectacle that Bershawn created and the way that she was modeling the clown for Sonia that I do think on some level held up a mirror to Sonia that was incredibly, incredibly difficult for her to look at. And I think that's part of the reason why we saw Sonia eventually um, 
move into this place of what I would call stark rage and violence. And the truth is, I, people can correct me if I'm wrong. I don't think we've ever seen Sonia in just that kind of naked expression of unadulterated rage. And going back to our point earlier, it is interesting to me that the next day she did feel more grounded to me. And again, that next day is the day that we saw her get connected to authentic emotion, connected to her childhood. It was the next day that she got this really grounded advice from the medium. So like I said, I'm just kind of putting all the dots together because I really heard you say something about Bershon's grounded presence in the seance. And there is this part of me now that's kind of feeling like, is there this sort of medicine in Bershon where, where these impulses were moving through her and this energy was moving through her and she just let herself follow it. And in doing so, she held up a mirror to Sonia as the clown and that it caused some sort of breakthrough for Sonia. Now, again, I'm not saying that Bershon was necessarily conscious of what she was doing, but I'm also not saying that that doesn't mean that this might be part of Bershon's brand of medicine. And if that she, that she could be someone who, who, who could consciously own like, Hey, I'm really energetically sensitive and I can kind of start tapping into you and your energy and I can hold it up as a mirror to you and for you to get you to see something. And that actually feels quite powerful to me. Yeah. You know, I'm now, let me go Google, like where, you know, because now I'm listening. But it's so interesting because I think it's such a sharp contrast to Ebony where, you know, Ebony, um, you know, she does feel to me and I, and I think she might argue this because she knows it's what she's supposed to say. But it does feel to me like this is someone who does sort of feel the burden of like, I got to present a certain way. I got to keep it together. It's got to look a certain way. I'm not afforded the grace of like, you know, yeah, making these messes, especially as someone who's kind of, again, kind of takes pride in being this bridge who can kind of appeal to the people who are hard to get to. And I just, I mean, okay, so I'm going to circle back around to my original point because I'm feeling my compassion for her again. I just feel like, oh my God, Bravo just kind of threw this woman to the wolves Mm -hmm. And put her in, like, this situation that she had no chance of ever um, succeeding at. Like, you're not going to get through to Luann. I mean, maybe, again, like, theoretically somewhere, someplace you can get through to Ramona. But you're not getting through to Ramona in this way, in this context. And I just feel like, yes, Ebony is making her own choices. But, like, in the place where, one, both... As I was saying, it does feel like there was sort of an expectation from the outside on her that I'm sure she felt, and especially given like where we were Absolutely. when they were filming. Absolutely. But, but then also feeling that place in her that I do think probably is connected to her personal history and just kind of the demands she has on herself. I just feel like, oh, like it feels like Ebony has this sort of thankless task in front of her. And in this place where it does feel like she doesn't feel she has room or permission to make a mess, to be wild, to make mistakes. It just kind of like hurts my heart for her a little bit. And then especially like what really killed me was just when that whole kind of first night in Salem like blew up in their faces. And then she was kind of like, you know, later in the hotel, she was like, okay, yeah, now we can kiki. I just had to get that out of the way. And I just, I know, I just felt that place in her that was like, yeah, this failed. You know, I'm realizing it ain't going to work. And now let me kind of 
push that aside to try to kind of yeah. salvage this. And I just felt like she's getting set up in a way. And then the other thing too, though, I also feel a little bit defensive on behalf of, you know, the conservative out of touch women like Luann and Ramona. Cause I'm just like, you know, Bravo. They've you... been set up in a way too. Exactly. Right? Like... Because they, because listen, Ebony is who she is. I'm sure she is who she is in most arenas. Whereas, you know, she's going to bring exactly what we've been seeing but it's also, to me, kind of like Bravo has profited off of these out-of-touch Upper East Side women. Right. First of all, that's what this show has been for years. Let's just be honest. It Clearly. Is, it has been about conservative, out-of-touch Upper East Siders. Absolutely. Jill Zarin, even Bethany. Yeah. I mean, look, she was one of the hipper ones. She still had a freaking sweater with snowmen saying, chilling with my snowmies, thinking that was like the most, right. you know, the hippest, most, you know, what? do you get it? Do you get it? Do you get like, she, she yeah. named her dogs Biggie and Smalls and thought that was cute. I mean, I know. Carol Radswell, you know... Again, she was kind of like the hipper one, but she's still hanging out with the Kennedys. Like, this was never a show about, yeah, the young, hip, woke, you know, version of New York. And I just feel like... It's a a task you can't win at. And it's like, it's also been a big success for Bravo. So for me, it's kind of like, okay, you're willing to kind of showcase this and give it a platform when it works for you. Right. Now the cultural conversation is shifting. So you're going to kind of throw in someone into the mix who then kind of gets to, and I'm not saying Ebony is doing this at all. This is not her intention, but the way that it's sort of unfolding is, okay, now the audience gets to kind of take pleasure in vilifying mm-hmm. Ramona and Luann. And it's not to oh, defend, okay. right. you know, look, I mean, some of the stuff is making me cringe. It's embarrassing. It's problematic. Right. But it's like, this is who they are. Yeah. And we knew this. We were, we're not confused. Bravo knew this. And there's something to me about like, okay, we're throwing Ebony in the mix. We've in Bershon. We've done our part. Like, we're not right. taking responsibility for Ebony's experience. We're not taking responsibility for Ramona and Luann's experience. Right. We're just doing what we're doing so that we can basically say that we kind of rose to the occasion. And we're not taking any responsibility for this clusterfuck, which truly is a conversation that is going nowhere. It is going to go nowhere. Yeah. And I just, it makes me angry. If we're just even thinking of what the Housewives franchises are, they're narcissistic, messy women in general, Mm -hmm. you know? So has Bravo ever taken any... I think it's hard to put a cast together when what you're looking for is drama. Ebony is a normal person. Right. You know, which is what my, like, initial take was in just hearing a couple things about her is, like, she's not... You and I were talking earlier about why Sutton, you know, Sutton can't not. She is in the moment. God bless her. She can't not be. She, Her whole body and face and everything shows it at every moment. She has no, the camera being on, the camera being off, it doesn't matter. That's not who Ebony is. Right. The camera, she, Ebony is very, very intentional. And I don't know that that works on a real housewives show, no. you know, now I think ideally she would be able to sort of come in with, with what her purpose was and, and then have fun and be you a mess. Know? And 
be and like have drinks and be silly and like do the show. Right. You know, she just it just she can't stop doing it because it is a disaster and there's no she's not making headway and we're yeah, we're in a we're stuck. Nobody's having fun. And well, and that's why I kind of think Bershawn is actually a better fit. And it feels Absolutely. like the show is coming to life now because Bershawn is willing to just, like we said, let it all hang out. She's willing to be weird. She's willing to be yeah. a mess. And so she, <laughs> she actually... She did the clown dance. She fits into <laughs> oh this group, you know. Um, but it's interesting. Did you watch Dallas or no? Do you not watch Dallas? I did. I had a real tough time with... I like Dallas this season, Go on. Well, I just thought, I thought it was an interesting contrast. I mean, I was one of the few people who was into this season, and you know, no, I enjoyed it. For me, I think one of the key differences because I was thinking like, why did it work? Why for me did it work okay. with Tiffany um, versus like what's going on with Ebony? And I think, well, one, Tiffany fits into this world. Yes. I mean, like you believe she is neighbors with Cameron and yes. Stephanie. And then I think because of that, because I think to your point, she is like a real housewife. She is that housewife material. So even though, yes, she's doing a similar thing where it's like, okay, I want to introduce you to my culture. I feel like when we get like a conflict about Cameron eating chicken feet, to me, this is still in the housewives universe of like banal, petty fights. And it works because it does have a very kind of organic connection to like, you know, a cultural conversation. So I was kind of like, yeah, we're still in the Housewives right. universe. Right, you get that. Um, with women who are also genuinely connecting to one another. Whereas on New York, it just, again, it just feels like these two completely different universes. Yeah. Fish out of water. I will say to my own point, <laughs> like... The Hampton stuff, I was actually kind of into because that to me did feel more organic mm. where it was like, yeah, there was a fight that erupted at the table and Luann said it. I mean, she went to the place of like, oh, you're so angry. And, you know, I mean, like, at least from my perspective, yeah, it definitely felt sort of charged. It was an, it, Yeah, it was an interesting comment to make given how everyone was, you know, responding. So in that sense, I was kind of into all that because I was like, to me, it felt organic. It felt yeah. like we're, again, we're in the Housewives universe. And yeah, now there are women of color. And so we're bringing in the shade that previously hasn't been there. Right. But I think after the Hamptons... It just started feeling – I started feeling more of the – of just like kind of the the seams getting stretched of these are these are women who would never be friends. They're from different worlds. It's not – it's not fitting. And so everything's just feeling forced. Yeah. Um, I had a thought. I was thinking where my anger with Bravo and myself mm-hmm. – is landing is the fight between Sonia and Bershon, the physical altercation because Sonia smashed that uh, fire extinguisher window mirror glass and the weight of it. And maybe it was the editing. Maybe it was the flashback of it all instead of it having like kind of rolling out in what feels more like real time. But I did not put the weight of it on Sonia that I would have done, that I did with Monique. Mm. I didn't. And putting hands on Candace. Maybe it's a person versus an inanimate object. I don't know. But I know that I didn't give it the same, the same weight. Mm-hmm. And it's absolutely bananas yeah. that she punched through glass in a hotel. Yeah. You know? And 
we did seem to land on Bershawn needing to be the one who everyone was like, fix it. Yeah. You know, instead of Sonia, who did have her finger in her face Mm -hmm. and did ruin public property, like ruin private property. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So I felt angry at myself and then also at Bravo for, or the show or whoever, that Sonia got positioned as the white person Mm -hmm. in a better light that wouldn't have been maybe granted if it was Bershawn who broke the glass. Right. Anyway, those are my thoughts there. No, I mean, it it takes me to a lot of places. I mean, it actually takes me to Sonia herself. I just am aware if I follow this thread, it's just going to be getting into Sonia and I don't want to skip over what you're saying. You know, and maybe I'm going to just tag it with, I'm a person who has lot of different cultures in my life, friends, family, etc. But that moment is why it's important to have a diverse cast mm-hmm. because I got to recognize something in myself and how I reacted. Mm-hmm. It looks like you're having feelings. No, because it's, it's interesting. And it's, that's the like eye-opener. Mm-hmm. That is actually probably why um diversity matters to end these conversations are actually important and seeing these shows which are so silly and over the top but i had you know i was like monique was wrong period and i didn't think sonia was wrong period i gave her more room and i had to reflect on that Yeah, I mean, it's interesting that you're saying that because I've been thinking about like how, you know, difficult the season has felt. But then in these past few episodes in particular, I actually started kind of coming around to it for its very difficulty because it is like the season is like it's almost felt to me like this big pop culture, uh, like expression of the conversation that goes nowhere (laughs) and it's like and it's frustrating and it's like (laughs) agitating and people are getting up in arms and it's like here it is this is the conversation that goes nowhere and in a lot of ways this is where we're at right you know at least at points or in times and so i'm just kind of with that but also feeling how something did seem to shift in this last episode And then kind of taking you in right now, you know, sharing something that feels to me, you know, vulnerable and is obviously like taking you to a place of deep feeling. And so I don't know, there's, it's helping me in a way to almost come around even more to the season. (laughs) By the way, we started out like, oh, this season doesn't have nothing, but you know what? Yeah. Like, yeah, I don't have a full, I haven't, I don't know if I fully understood this. Like, I think the thought went through my head really quickly, but I certainly haven't said it out loud. And I think it is a pretty powerful recognition for me. And it does feel important because this is what's being asked of us, right? It's to like, look within, you know, which people don't want to do typically. And it's what fucking drives me crazy about this conversation. You know, everyone 
when I say everyone, I mean other white people saying, oh, my God, this is what you got to do and this is how you got to behave. And it's like, wait a second. Right. Rather than pointing the finger outward and telling everyone else what they need to do, maybe we should be looking inward to right. see. Where are, your mom- where are your blind spots? Exactly. Where are my Deanna Marie, Veronica, confirmation name Chang's blind spots, right? Mm-hmm. Like – they're there. P.S. They're there for every single one of us. Right. No matter what race you are, we all have them. And what I think has happened for, I'm going to just, you know, I'll just say myself, but, you know, I think for a lot of white people and white women specifically who never considered themselves racist, right? They don't, they just, it was part of their, 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 who am I? Who am I? I am this, I'm vegetarian, I'm a teacher, I'm this, I'm that, and the other, and I am not a racist. Mm-hmm. It's it's essential to my core being. So when Ebony's bringing forward, which is the concept of white supremacy, and keying into that concept, like what is white supremacy? You know, what does that mean? How have I participated in it? How has it benefited me? And it can rock the, the foundation of white people are rocked, especially the ones who loved the fact that they were not racist and not prejudiced and worked at that, let's say. Mm-hmm. I throw that out, you know, that, that they felt great about it because they have this friend, this friend, the other. And I think that this time and having a minute and breathing and reflecting and looking at systems and looking at where you grew up and how things were paid for for you and that school was a given and, you know, money was put away for this and that and the other and, like, how this has benefited you in life, it's startling to have to go, like, oh, okay. So I have benefited from systems and white supremacy and there's racism in me because I haven't looked. I was floating on a fucking bubble of this is a melting pot and America's a melting pot. And I just felt great about that and conducted myself accordingly to shake up. Right. It's a shake up of the, your sense of self. Mm-hmm. You know, at least that's what I see in people. And so there's no willingness to like to say, I notice this moment because it's it's like you don't want that. You don't want to say like, oh, I've been blind. Right. What I thought about myself might not be entirely true. Yeah. And I think what it also really requires that I think can be difficult for people, especially, you know, in the kind of culture we're in is to let yourself recognize places where you have blind spots, where you have your own relationship to prejudice or racism and to not then wipe yourself out. Right. You know, that you can still stay connected to your goodness and your good Absolutely. intentions. And it's not like an either or thing. I oh, think I agree with that so much. It tends to take people to such a place of shame. Yeah. You know, and so I think that's where a lot of like the defensiveness yes. comes up because it's like, oh, I, I, I'm not a bad person. You know, I'm not that. Absolutely. Um, but if we can kind of hold our own goodness and our own humanity, Absolutely. then it certainly becomes safer to kind of look at these areas. Yeah. Which, as you said, we all have, you know, everybody does, you know, as it relates to gender, sexuality, Absolutely. nationality, you know, religion. I mean, whatever class, I mean, that's a big one. Yeah. All right. 
Well, I also think it's interesting to kind of pivot it towards, you know, Sonia's sort of personal journey. And again, kind of one of the, the loose intentions of this episode to get into Sonia, which is, you know, just the notion of Sonia getting a free pass mm-hmm. and also Sonia as the victim. Mm-hmm. Um, because I will say, I feel like I have a, a, a wide range of unpopular opinions when it comes to New York. And one of them is that I'm <laughs> sort of one of the few people who does not tend to love Sonia. And particularly, I really don't love the narrative that gets organized around Sonia as like the helpless, um, just like the helpless little lost girl. And I think in the case of like Leah and Ebony earlier this season, kind of seeing her as a victim of the other women who's two weeks to stand up for herself. And Mm -hmm. we've got to rally around her. And then she becomes the pet project. There's a way in which Sonia, I feel like gets protected and she gets cast in this role as sort of the helpless clown. When for me, I always feel something much sharper mm-hmm. and, um, I mean, frankly, entitled underneath that. I felt like we saw it actually in season five, going back to season mm, five. That's you- season five. I got to give that another look. <laughs> Do you remember when Heather Thompson helped her with the toaster oven? Okay, hold on. Let me get back there. <laughs> You're like, hold on. Let me get back there. Let me dive back. Yes, I do. This was back in the day where Seth- yes. Sonia Morgan wanted to release a toaster oven. Oh, no doubt. No doubt. And Heather Thompson, now, you know, I, I, look, I've got my ambivalence around Heather Thompson, but sure. she very generously was using her professional Yeah, know-how. and she has it. She, you know, she's she's has her own company and she's you know yeah i uh go on and she was doing a great job with sonia and I'm, yes okay sonia's entitlement came out so hardcore that season i mean she was shitting on every idea that heather had became like i remember they were sort of doing a photo shoot and it was just basically like completely petulant was acting like a spoiled brat Heather was like trying to help her with her branding and right. was like, and like assembled a team that yeah. would normally be so expensive to be like, this was is that how- with the men and she was in the outfit. Yes. And- yeah. Okay. Got it. And like Heather came like assembled a branding team to help her with her logo. And I remember at the reunion, like it was like Sonia was so kind of unwilling to defer to someone else's professional wisdom mm. that it sort of got her up in arms. And she literally, I guess solicited logo ideas from viewers Hmm. and like trotted them out at the reunion to be like, I really like this one as if to say kind of like, it's better than the one that you gave me, Heather. Her attitude was just so unabashedly obnoxious. The lack of gratitude and grace. I mean, look, here's the thing. If you don't like what Heather's doing, then you don't like what Heather's doing, right? There's still a way to kind of graciously say no. The level, like I said, of entitlement um, and just kind of straight up nastiness, uh, that came from Sonia. I never forgot mm. that. I never mm. forgot that. Mm. And mm. I have to say that I do feel underneath all of her kind of like, you know, to use Bershon's language, the clown, the three ring circus, the kind of like, you know, kooky, kooky Sonia. I just always feel this like undercurrent of entitlement. It's kind of like, Everything is sort of light and easy until the moment that you challenge me, you know, ask me to get into some kind of reality, hold me responsible for my behavior, and then something something else is going to come out. And I'm always aware of that with her. And as long as I'm saying this, I mean, we can get into the lawsuit of it all. 
Uh, Let's. But I don't know if you have anything else to say, to say in response. No, to- I mean, I think that um, last night when Bersham was explaining to her, like, you can't ever put your finger in my face like that again and, like, step to me. Like, that can't ever happen again. And she was like, oh, I did do that and I will show you. And I, you know, and I'll do it again, you know. So... I don't know what I filed that under. I was like, oh, that's not, oh, yeah, that's not the right response. That's certainly not the response. Um, but I'm hearing what you're saying. Well, and I think, you know, the lawsuit doesn't really ever get talked about in detail on the show. No. Um, I forwarded you an yeah. article that kind of clearly explains what happened. And I guess I, I guess I need to kind of articulate it for uh, the people listening to this. So, you know, Sonia, whenever this lawsuit comes up, I think usually the way she plays it off is kind of like, oh, it was a deal gone wrong. And she kind of tends to position herself again as like a victim. Like somehow she, yeah, fell victim to like some bad business deal that, you know, this could have happened to anyone or something like that. And really what happened was, I mean, she went out to Hollywood she basically said, I've got all this money at my disposal. She intentionally used the name of her ex-husband to kind of give herself credibility. She, you know, kind of went out of her way to make it seem like he was part of, like, this new venture of financing films. Um, and she literally, I mean, she lied. She said, we have this money at our disposal. We're going to, we're you know, we are committing to financing your film, so you should go ahead with this deal with John Travolta. Like, because John Travolta was saying, you got to pay me $7 million for me to commit. She was like, yes, the money's there. We're going to transfer it on this date. Um, and apparently was saying that, like, up literally mm-hmm. up until the day before the money was to go into escrow. Like, she sat there, you know, with these film producers, said, yes, I have the money. Yes, I'm transferring the money tomorrow. Like, this is yeah. a done deal. Represented it that way. And then literally the next day, just bailed town. Like, just left. Left them high and dry. And then when they tried to kind of, like, pursue her for it, she literally, like, laughed in their faces, kind of saying things like, oh, deals fall apart all the time. And so they pursued litigation against her, and she was found, one, in breach of contract, and she was also found, I don't know if this is the right language, like, guilty, but she was found guilty of fraud. That's why she had to pay the $7 million. And apparently she'd been doing this to other producers as well like these weren't the only producers who she did this to they were just the only ones who actually like went after her for the money so you know i just say all this because i think there is this sort of veil of vagueness Mm. around the lawsuit and then she positions it in this way that makes it sound like oh just sonia fell hard on her luck once again and it's like no you actually you you were dishonest you committed fraud, and then you were actually quite cavalier and mean-spirited in dismissing it. Oh, that's not to even mention the other part of it, where when they started to pursue a lawsuit against her, she had some of her kind of like high-rolling friends basically call them and threaten them and say, like, if you don't drop this lawsuit, you're never going to work in Hollywood again. Right. Uh, so this is why I say it's like this woman is not just Holly Go Lightly. Like, there is a mean streak in her. And like I said, an entitlement in her that comes through. And I think for me, the reason why I've never been able to warm to her entirely is because it does feel like the whole kind of kooky, easy breezy Sonia Morgan act really is a cover for something much darker and more entitled that she never wants to reveal. And so then when I see all these women kind of like colluding with her narrative, I'm kind of like with Bershon. I'm like, 
what are you guys doing? Like, you are not helping her right now. Like, Leah and Ebony, <laughs> bringing her to boxing classes and kind of, like, feeding into the story that, like, Sonia's just a victim and she just needs to find her voice. Like, this isn't helping her right now. Mm. Oh, Jamie, you're so wise. <laughs> because I was like, oh, she needed Ebony. I do like her and Ebony together. I will say that much. I do, too. I really enjoy them together. Um, but you know, you sent me down that journey with the lawsuit and, and it was Sonia Morgan productions. Like she had, she had full on had like, was trying to really do this, like really, really do this. And it's, it's no jokes when you are saying you can finance a movie, you know, that's not a casual thing. That's not a little thing. There's a hundreds of jobs that get started with that conversation you know once you've locked that in so it's insane that she just bounced out of it because it what also seemed interesting is that like her marriage with the arrogance now people have agreements right like certain couples are open i don't know what their deal was but it seemed like what happened was he had broken foot or something like that. She was in Saint-Tropez with a lover. And he was like, come back home. I need help. Now, I don't know if he knew she was over there, but she wouldn't come back. Which also feels like an arrogance. And she thought, Sonia Morgan tends to think that she can have it right like whichever way it feels very heather thompson trying to help her it's like she's not she's not gonna do what she does like she's gonna yeah i mean i was so happy with sonia in the beginning of the season and you know i am seeing a new sonia here (laughs) js i'm seeing a new sonia and you know that if it is arrogance or what what do you what is the word entitlement entitlement if it's entitlement wow is that not working for her exactly you're speaking to like what i've been feeling like even in the marriage it felt like there there was this energy of entitlement and i did kind of poke around intuitively around yeah. like what do you see in there well i felt like yeah i, I want this how i want it like okay. i want it how i want it well first of all when i kind of like dropped into her like towards just john morgan now mm-hmm. um i just felt such a strong voice first of all the first voice i heard was like take me back take me back take me back take mm. me back and then I noticed like my heart kind of felt so frozen. And so I was like, okay, well, let me kind of coax Mm -hmm. the heart. And it was like two things I felt at once. And one of it, one of the things I felt was just rage. And so then when I kind of felt in the rage, it's like, what's the rage, you know, saying, I like just heard the words, like, it's mine. Like I'm entitled to this. Like I'm entitled to the marriage. I'm entitled to the lifestyle. I want what I want when I want it, how I want it. And I think it's interesting, right, because you're speaking to an important point, which is, you know, Sonia wasn't just like the dutiful housewife who played by the rules. It was like she got into this marriage and she was doing it how she wanted to do it. And again, when I kind of drop into like, what was that part of Sonia who was staying in St. Tropez and wasn't being the good wife and coming back when her husband summoned her, it's like, uh-uh, like this is the way I'm doing it. Like I want to do it how I want to do it. 
And so I was kind of, um, and I, and so then I was kind of like dropping into, so what would happen if I'm Sonia and I kind of instead kind of feel into what it would have been like for me to be the good, dutiful wife who sort of plays by the rules. It just triggered such, again, just this deep level of rage. Mm. Um, and I think the, the flavor of the rage to me was kind of, yeah, it's like, I'm owed this like th- like I'm supposed to be I'm supposed to be able to do it my way and it's like if she this is what it is if I play by the rules then I'm going to have to feel the way in which I'm constrained in this marriage and I'm going to have to be an emotional reality about like the price I've paid mm-hmm. for the choices I've made I don't want to be in that reality so I want to do it my way because I want to stay lost in the fantasy and I don't want to feel like the reality of what I've done here. It's like basically what I'm saying is I just think there's a deeper rage in Sonia that she's been avoiding her entire life. And it's like – and this is what I really want to say about it. I hope I'm not saying too much at once. I feel deep down Sonia – and we kind of got this last night – she is someone who is waiting to be rescued. I think she's waiting to be rescued right now by her ex-husband, but I think on an even deeper level, I think she's waiting to be rescued by dad and the people that you know she wanted to love her. And I think she has so much rage around that, but the, the, the catch-22 here is if she lets herself feel her rage, then she's going to get in touch with her powerful energy. Ooh! And so if she gets in touch with her powerful energy, she's suddenly going to know herself more as an empowered adult. And if she's an empowered adult, guess what happens? She no longer can be rescued. And she has to give up that fantasy, right? It's like, it's like a mind fuck, right? Well, I think there's probably a lot of women in that, in that situation. Yeah. What you just said. Because that was the other... Remember how I said there were two pieces um, when I felt her kind of frozen heart in relationship to her ex-husband? And one of them was a rage of like, take me back. The other one was kind of like this, um, this, yeah, just like this self-infantilized helplessness. And that was the part to me that feels like, yeah, I'm keeping my heart frozen because I don't want to know the part of me that's angry at him. I don't want to know the part of me that has this rage because again, if I feel this anger, then I'm in a more empowered place and he can't come rescue me so she's like in this bind well that's interesting because i've i've thought a lot about like the the, her reaction to the morgan letters and she defends the morgan name and the rage that comes with it is so enormous and i think she is so furious that they won't or he won't or whoever won't from the morgan land help her right but that's what happened in Saint-Tropez. Like, she made that choice, assuming that's the situation. And her girlfriend swooped in to help her husband, which is also like, oofa, you know? Connie. Connie. I looked up Connie's picture. Oh, did you really? I did. Oh. She's cute. She's like more, she's Sonia-esque, not as, not as pretty, not as sexy, you know, but a vert, like a, a, a probably a, a a version that will just show up and be with the husband. Do you know what I mean? And not be a problem. Right. 
So anyway, I just the anger. I'm always. I'm just so fascinated by how angry she is when the name, like, with you say Wells Fargo, and she literally like is screaming and crying because you said Wells Fargo. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like, what is happening? Look, she is on national television. She has their name. She has his name. She has that family's name. She's on the board of whatever she's on with them. The house, the townhouse, they could fix that situation, I think, in one minute, you know, and just deal with it. Because I don't think it's a great look for the Morgans to have. I can only imagine. I don't know I'm from a Morgan, but I can only imagine it's not the best look in the world to have this, like, disastrous situation with the townhouse that's falling apart. And But, but. I've wondered, does she, is she so furious? Not It hasn't worked out, all of that. That's like she's stuck in that. But also they could probably just, it could probably be dealt with mm-hmm. by a quick check. Right. And no one's doing that for her. Yeah. I mean, again, I kind of always look at everything, uh, you know, from the place of like deeper patterns. So, I, you know, it's like if I were working with Sonia. Yeah. What would you do? I mean, for me, it would be about like working with the rage that's triggered by the situation with her ex's family. Yes. But then um, holding the quality of that rage of, okay, that rage already lived inside you. Like this is... Okay, this is this rage was here prior to the meeting this Morgan. Exactly. Like this is how you... man. This is why you manifested the situation. Right. Like there was an energetic pattern already set in place. Right. And now, I mean, this is how I view life. Go ahead. And so now you're, you've kind of engineered on an unconscious level these circumstances, hopefully... So that you can finally deal with these feelings inside you and maybe start making new and different choices that could kind of heal whatever needs to be healed here. Are you saying that by marrying a man, a bajillionaire 30 years older, she made that choice. Right. She's thinking to herself, okay, that has to, having all these opportunities, this lifestyle, the money... I, it will dissipate what's going on inside of me and the rage. There's no way that it can't because I'll have everything at my disposal. Well, the way that I kind of see it and feel it, because I was thinking about how much older he was, because again, we don't, I, I think I forget sometimes about that age gap, that this really was like an Erica Tom Girardi Absolutely. type age gap, which that's like big information. It you is. Know? Um, and I was sort of thinking for Sonia about that and kind of what would it have meant for her to like instead be with a guy who was her age or sort of matched her in her energy. And again, I just came back to the same thing of, oh, but then she would be in an empowered right, place. Right. And if this is a woman who's disowning her power because on some level she still wants to be rescued, right. it makes so much more sense that she would be in a relationship where there's such an imbalance of power and that he is the man who's sort of coming in and sort of rescuing her from something. If we go with the present day circumstances, right? That this situation with her ex-husband and with the Morgan family is simply an energetic recreation or reflection of an emotional dynamic that already lived inside of her and that these present day circumstances of her waiting around to be rescued, clinging to the townhouse, 
um, pursuing her businesses in kind of an ungrounded, delusional way. These are all things that are just going to keep her, her, her old cycle going. And she's going to end up abandoned over and over and over and over again because she's not dealing with the core rage that needs to be dealt with. This is an opportunity for her to surrender the desire, the belief, the fantasy that John Morgan or the Morgan family will ever come through for her. And in that place where she's willing to surrender the fantasy to finally get connected to the rage that needs and wants to come out. The rage that wants to say, it's not fair I was abandoned. It's not fair that no one loved me in the way that I deserved. And to get into emotional reality so that rather than waiting for other people to rescue her, she can rescue herself. Now, and I hope I'm not saying too much, I also am so drawn to her relationship with her mother like that. I just feel something there. And I just feel especially like messages she got around what it means to be a woman, what it means to be a sexual woman, her sexuality. I just because when I drop into her marriage to John, like more at the time, it's kind of like, I'll show you. See, see what I did. Like I made it. I did it. Like there's kind of like a charge to there. the dad. Or to the mom. Like, to the mom, to the dad, yeah, to the yeah. family. I just feel like she got messages about right. her and who she is. It's like... Right. She's like, I landed the fish. I landed the big fish. I did it. Like, yeah. Like, yeah. see what I did. You told... Like, yeah. In some way, I had some experience of, like, feeling like my feet were cut out from under me, getting messages about who I am, keep it down. Oh, Sonia, you're this, you're that. Like, some experience of not being seen or heard, feeling kind of like stigmatized is that the right word in some way and yeah so then kind of like landing this guy and i think this kind of speaks to your point where it's like it kind of gives her everything in a way and so then it's just like yeah see what i did and then when it's take and but then yes she has to kind of do it in her fantasy way because if she doesn't she has to do it in the fantasy way because if she doesn't she has to feel the limitations of the situation she's found herself in. She has to feel the limitations of her choices in the way that she's gone about creating what she's created for herself, which would then trigger the rage that she doesn't actually want to feel. Mm. So it's like she's staying lost in the fantasy, yeah. kind of like passive aggressively. I'll show you. I'm doing it my way. This is mine. This is sort of what I'm owed. This is what I'm entitled to. And then when it's taken away, to me, I just think for her, it just felt like such... Well, one, like humiliating, like yeah. in the place where she was showing people something, it's like she got egg on her face yeah. and just as such a deep personal rejection. Like this yeah. wasn't like two people. No, this was no. like, she felt so deeply personally rejected and abandoned by this. And we've been with her a long time now. We've never, like, I'm just thinking we've only seen her with guys that are either way younger or that we've never seen her with an equal. I mean, you know, like a guy oh, yeah, yeah, that yeah. would make sense other than maybe <laughs> Tom, even though we didn't really see much of, we just heard, I think we just heard about them being together, but like they were either way older or way younger. Like there was, there's never been a guy where it's like Ramona and Mario. Okay. Got it. Like that makes sense to me in terms of just two people that make sense. Yeah. They, they're energetically matched. Yeah. yeah. But like, we've never seen her, right? Have we ever seen her with anybody that made sense? No. And I really, 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 really believe that she is holding out 
for him, him to come back. Yeah. I mean, I really feel that. Like, and I think that's part of like on a deeper level. That's why she's not letting go of the townhouse. Yeah. And I think that's why she stays so she's so invested in her connection to like the Morgan name. I, I really get this sense off her that it's like if I show them I'm good. Exactly. Yeah. Like what a good job I'm doing. Like they're gonna they're gonna see it. I mean it it, it I mean, even though I typically don't love her, like in this moment I it touches me because it's so I mean kind of like with Luann, it's so young. It's yeah. so young. And it's so, um, it's just so young and it's so out of reality. It's like right. the voice of the child, yeah. you know? And it's, I, but I do think it's like, yeah, if I'm good enough, they'll come around and they'll see my worth and they'll come and rescue me. And I think that she just, she does not want, to, this is what I think she's avoiding. I think she just does not want to feel that heartbreak of the place where no one's coming to rescue her. And I think that, from the child's perspective, she's been interpreting that as a reflection of her like worthiness of love. Cause you know, that's what we do as children. Mm-hmm. Right. And like the real healing for her. So if I were working with her, it would be about mm-hmm. let's get you connected to your entitlement and to your rage, <laughs> which will then lead to the deeper vulnerability of holy shit. I, you know, I want someone to come rescue me feeling the heartbreak of the surrender of no one's coming to, re- no one did come to rescue me. No one is coming to rescue me and feeling that heartbreak without going into a story that this means like you're not worth loving or that, you know, yeah. you're not worth rescuing. It's like, that's the child's story. You just need to let yourself feel a heartbreak. So you can kind of like grow this voice up into an adult woman. Cause my sense of Sonia honestly is actually that she's a very powerful yeah. woman. I she kind of strikes me as like when I kind of feel into who she might be if she were allowed to sort of grow up. It's I get very Miranda Priestly vibes, like Ooh. you know, kind of like yeah. yeah, boss bitch in charge who's like running some sort of fashion something, and like she she knows what she's doing, she knows what she wants, and you don't fuck with her. That's kind of what I sense off her, but fun too. Well, it's like that journey that I would love for you to work with her. How do we get that to happen? <laughs> she would never want to work with me. Okay. It's so hard to imagine what you're asking of her. Those are huge things. Yeah. But there's such a promise on the other side of that. Yeah. That, wow. I know. Like, what a wow. Well, and that's how I feel about a lot of these women. Because the thing is, anyone who's on one of these shows, they're powerful manifestors. Like, they're creating stuff. You know, I mean, I was just saying that I was on a, a, a podcast called Andy's Girls talking about Erica Jane. And I'm just like, look, this is one, say what you will. What she's creating right. for herself right now is so larger than life and over the top dramatic. And it just makes me wonder, like, my God, Erica, if you were like fully connected and letting your energy kind of circulate in a really direct, constructive way. God knows what the hell she should, you know, she could be right. like a Madonna or right. something. But yeah, Sonia, I mean, I think Sonia, like all these women, like they're, they're so powerful. But I think by virtue also kind of to your point earlier, you know, the type that tends to be drawn to a reality show like this, you know, there's a lot of things that aren't in full alignment and right. there's ways that their energy are kind of like, yeah, it's getting circumvented in places that maybe don't serve them. Yeah, I feel that way about Luann a lot. Not the powerful part but maybe that's there um but the fact that she wants to be rescued mm-hmm. like i always feel that from her and and it's it's such a setup this these especially for women i think that grew up well, i don't know how they grew up but i mean this idea that like you're gonna land the guy who has the money and gives you the lifestyle but then like that same guy is absolutely going to 
drop you. Mm -hmm. That's also part of all of it, you know? And then what? I always feel like, oh, Luann wants that guy. They both, that's why she's curious about the app, the dating. How did that (laughs) dating thing go? matchmaker. Matchmaker. Because she's like, it always, they all want Ramona too. Doesn't matter how much the money they have. I don't know what money they have or don't have, but it's like they want that. It doesn't seem to me like they want the guy who they can grow old with and have nice times with. Mm-hmm. It's like those three want the guy to save them. That's at least what I get. Well, what I also think is interesting too, though, it's like, particularly, it's a generation of women who are really sort of getting messages around, like, yeah, you yeah. find the guy. But what I think is so interesting, again, kind of by virtue of them being the types of people who are cast on these shows, these are actually very powerful women with strong energy. You know, like oh, they have yeah. strong energy. And so I just think that's interesting. It's kind of like, and this is kind of what I'm speaking to with Sonia and kind of wondering about the messages she got about her kind of flamboyant, sexual, larger than life energy. It's like, you know, Lou too. It's like, she's a powerhouse. Oh my like God. they're, they're larger than life. So yeah. you have these women who have this really strong, vivacious, powerful, sexual energy. Yes. And then they're kind of getting molded and sort of pointed in the direction of like being housewives. Right. And so it's like, it's sort of a double whammy because it's, yeah, they're sort of getting set up in a system where they're not necessarily appreciated for whom they are. But then it's like their very energy is sort of getting stifled yeah. and they're at odds with themselves. Right, 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 right. Because right. there's something so much powerful that wants to move through them. Right. And they should find the person who can do that with them. The one the one question I wanted to ask you, though, is you would include Ramona in that. Well, that wants to be saved. Yeah. And it's kind I of would. looking for a man to come. I do. Can you say more? Because I, I mean, as you said earlier, like she and Mario felt like a real match to no, me. No, I mean now. Okay. Now. Oh, okay. I see what now, you're saying. Now. No, I liked, I thought they were a real match and I think it's heartbreaking that it, for, I feel really, I feel that, that, that is a heartbreaking situation, mm-hmm. you know, that that dissolved in the way it did and that he cheated on her because, I mean, clearly they still have something. They're still friends and they still spend time together, you know, and I think they did have a passion so i mean it's just a bummer you know like boo on you mario and i can't imagine being married to ramona what a nightmare (laughs) but i think she's looking for a man where lifestyle is gonna come with it this probably warrants its own episode i mean i'm suddenly am so intrigued about what is going on with ramona and men because the thing that i do love about ramona and i've said it before i'll say it again i do have this strange soft spot for ramona even this season and again, I want to be clear. She's Wait. absolutely made me cringe and done. Well, I mean, yeah, I mean you're a human. I mean, look, you have eyes and uh, you're, you know, look, <laughs> you have eyes and you have ears. Like she's a nightmare, yeah. but I'm with you. I have a soft spot for Mona too. Yeah. She's a nightmare. She's problematic. All these things. But you know what? One of the things that I just appreciate about her is that she is so, uh, she owns her energy, you know, in a really kind of, <laughs> I mean, perhaps too uncompromising, but in a really uncompromising way. Interesting. You know, kind of like, you know, she also has that shades of, you know, what I love about Vicky, which is like, I'm earning my own money. Like that's really important to me. I, I like that. Is she earning her own money? Well, she did have she her did, own. She did. I just don't know what's happening today. But yes, she did have a true religion or whatever. Well, it even was. before that, before okay. the housewife, she had her like reselling 
business. Business. Her, yes. Which was successful, right? And then now she's a real housewife and, you know, there's money that comes from that. And, you know, whatever she gets from Mario, which God bless her, that's something else she manifested. Um, And now she's, you know, going into her real estate. She's a woman Okay, you're right. She is going into real estate. I forgot about that. Yeah, she she generates for herself. great. So it's just interesting because I don't experience the same kind of, like, desperation for a man in the way that I do with Luann or Sonia. But it is interesting. She's never... We still haven't seen her in one serious relationship since right. Mario, and it's been a minute now. Yeah. And so it does kind of make me curious, like, what is going on with her? Well, I don't think she's doing what Luann and Sonia are doing in terms of age. She, I think Ramona's actually dating guys that are age appropriate. I do. Mm-hmm. I think that, and I think they probably have potential to work. You know, I I don't get the sense that she's doing, like... Sonia will date someone in their 20s. Like, it's bananas. You know, and Lou, I mean, my God, these women have moved through that city in a way (laughs) that is, I gotta tip the hat. I mean, wow. They go out and they go out for, like, no jokes. Like, they're bringing it home. I mean, it's not done. Like, wow. But I don't, I think Ramona is banging her head off, but I think it's with men who are, like, in a range that makes sense, age-wise. I mean, you know what's coming to me just very casually? Go ahead. Because, you know, I you know, I think like everyone, I've always wanted her with Mario. And, and, and what I've always felt in terms of that, because that spark is still so alive, like the voice I hear in Ramona around that is like, I'm never like letting myself get humiliated like that again. Like yeah. she'll never take that chance of being humiliated like that again. But having said that, when I think about her kind of finding a new guy, uh, what kind of just kind of loosely casually comes to me is kind of, it's like a deeper level of grieving and letting go, you know, mm. of Mario in yeah. this marriage. And I, I, I do wonder if there's part of her that just doesn't want to fully like know. It's that, like her townhouse. She doesn't exactly. want to like, yeah. Like, I don't want to let this go. I don't want to have to. Yeah, I don't want it to grieve it all the way. Because, you know, I, I mean, and I have compassion for her here. Like her life really got rocked at, kind, at a later age. It did. You know, I mean, in a marriage that I think was decent. Yeah. You know, I mean, I don't know, obviously, but I felt like it was. A, they loved know. each other. I think so. Yeah. And, you know, to be 60 and, you know, it's like suddenly, yeah, without this life partner and, you know, and, and just even with the real housewives of it all kind of like on this new journey, right. like everything changed for her in the last 13 years. And I wonder if there is just kind of this. Yeah, this little place holding out of having to really, if I, if I, if I find a guy and settle into something new, it's like truly kind of acknowledging and letting go of like this life I used to have. Plus in this time, Avery left. So there's a, there's been a lot of shift Mm -hmm. with her and we see it. We see how she, you know, she, she closes the curtains. Like she has her own way of Mm -hmm. disconnecting and, and putting the blinders on. And, um, I don't know. I just suddenly feel like a lot of sadness with her and again i don't want to feel this i don't want to feel i don't want to know it i don't want to know it all the way i think there's just a lot of grief there Mm. it reminds me a little dorinda too you know kind of not wanting to fully move on from you know this love that she lost it's a lot they got a lot going on there Uh, the cast well this is again why like for me new york's never actually been a favorite because it actually i think it's such a dark franchise it's it's, wow 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 blowing the lid blowing the lid it's dark. I mean, I love Orange County and that's dark, but I, I don't know. It's just dark in a different way. 
<laughs> it's dark in a way of like, yeah, like really emotionally limited women, many of whom seem to be alcoholic. Yeah. Some of whom kind of seem like their mental health is like taking a sharp decline. But what I wanted to kind of say, <laughs> just to kind of maybe bring this around to a somewhat more positive note. Okay. And to bring in kind of a different layer to Sonia even shattering the glass, like I actually am relieved to see her more. I mean, it's hard to call it conscious because there was alcohol involved, but I like seeing Sonia more consciously connected to her anger. Hmm. That to me, again, it's weird to call it a good sign because she was drunk and it was destructive, but I prefer to see her more connected to her anger than doing the Sonia. Would you call the Morgan letters consciously connected to her anger? No, that doesn't feel good to me. Okay. The shattering the glass feels better to me. Okay. I think I agree with that, yeah. but I don't know why. I, well, I think because it's so stark naked, there's no masking that. Do you know what I mean? Like, I mean, it's a problem. So there's no masking. Right. It's a problem, but there's also no hiding it behind the Morgan name mm-hmm. or this or that that's just Sonia's rage mm. and she's got a lot of it. And I think it's like I said, I think, I think that's the doorway in for her. If she could consciously connect and own the voice that says I'm furious as hell. I mean, the real voice for her that would right. be transformative would be, <laughs> I want what I want when I want it. It's mine. I'm entitled to it. That to me would be the key to her transformation. But I think anything that, yeah, that supports her and kind of being like connected to that fire mm. would be good. Amazing. The last thing I would say about all this, and I don't know if I'm going on too long, but, you know, it's like there's something about when, for example, you know, Lee and Ebony make her the pet project. And, you know, Bethany did this a little bit, too. I just find it self-serving. Well, I'm hearing you. And I never thought of her this way at all. But I'm she loves it. You know, when someone takes her under, like, she loves it so much. And I'm just imagining myself right now. I would appreciate if somebody, you know, saw something and helped. Like, you gave me great feedback, you know. I appreciated that. But I don't think I, it's like she is that little, like, that behavior is childish. To be craving it so much. Well, I actually meant self-serving for the women giving her the help. Oh, but I, oh I see what you mean. Yeah. But I also want to say, like, but I think it is, for Sonia, I think it's dangerous because it feeds into the victim narrative. Right. And for someone who's literally positioning her lawsuit as, like, I was the victim of circumstance, right. I don't think that supports her. But, yeah, I think for, like, because especially with Leah... What it feels to me like actually is a fuck you to Ramona. It is. That's what she's doing. Yeah. It's, this isn't about Sonia all the way. This right. is about like, I'm going to be a better friend to you. Leah is effing obsessed with Ramona. She is. I find it so tiring and exhausting. But even with Bethany, it kind of felt self-serving too. It's right. like, I feel like people kind of use her. It's like she becomes right. the pet cause. Right. I, I don't like it. I don't like it for Sonia. I don't like it for them. Right. I feel like I, I really like how Ebony has been dealing with her on her own yes. when Leah's not yes. around. I like that. I did like that. And I also want to say, and I, I maybe you can educate me here because okay. I see people a lot saying Ramona is not a good friend to Sonia. I don't understand where that comes from. Like, I actually feel like 
Ramona lets Sonia be who she is. Okay. Like, I feel like she doesn't. I mean, she did get involved in that ridiculous, like, intervention that we don't need to talk about. But I think by and large, she's just like, look, I see her for who she is. I accept her for who she is. I sort of like, I just accept her limitations. I never really see or hear Ramona saying mean things about Sonia behind her back. Maybe I'm wrong about this. People can write in if I've got it wrong. I think over the years she has, but I think that... I think Sonia says more mean stuff about Ramona behind Ramona's back than Ramona does Sonia. Well, yeah. I do think that Ebony is on to something with Ramona and Luann not listening to her. I actually do see that. I don't think Ramona... Do I think... Well, we, we've already... Luann can't. She's only ever... She's on a Luann loop on her own head. But Ramona... I think she hears her, but here and there. You know? I don't know if she's a terrible friend to her, but I think she has... I think she treats her like a little bit like a pet sometimes. Yeah, I mean, that's fair. But I also think it's like, has Sonia left her any choice? Right. And I think what I see with Leah... Again, it's... I Like I said, I like... Ebony with Sonia when they're alone, but yeah. the Leah Ebony united front to save Sonia. I just look at that and I'm like, you guys, you, you know, there's sort of a demand you have on her. Like you think you're going to swoop in, you're right. going to help her kind of like it's, there's something very codependent about it. And there's something very just kind of like, let her be who she's going to be. Right. You know? And if you can't handle that, then you need boundaries with her. But there's something I just that makes me really uncomfortable about this whole thing of wow. like, we're going to save Sonia. You really blew the lid off a lot here. <laughs> and I'm going to have to sit and process it, to be honest. I have to think about it because I would have told you two days ago, she aggravated me yesterday, but two I, two days ago, like, love Sonia, loving Sonia, loving Sonia this season. So I have to reflect. I have to process I have to sit with and I have to think about the lid that's been blown off. And I also, but I want to throw in the caveat that I've actually, this season is the most that I've liked her. And I, and I actually, I've absolutely, yeah, I've loved how she's shown up and I've been surprised by it actually. Um, you know, in particularly, you know, with Ebony and whatnot. So I don't want to make it seem like I'm just completely, um, yeah, dismissing all that. Here's one other thing I will say that I think about Sonia often is that we hear about the Morgans all the time. Fine. That's over here. That's the Morgans. But she had lived a life that people don't live in terms of the money and the friends that she had. And the it's just at the top, 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 top. So like, it's just so crazy. And I don't feel like as, as stuck as she is with, with the Morgans, I don't feel she is bragging all the time about what that life was. Because we have only seen her in the decrepit townhouse <laughs> and the weird apartment. So, like, like she did a, an episode of Watch What Happens Live and they were rattling off who she used to date. And it was such a crazy list, you know, of all of these men. And I was just like, you know, she doesn't really brag as mm-hmm. much as I think... She could? Yeah. That's just it. It's not deep. I'm not an empath. I am not intuitive. I can't do what you did. I gave you a basic thought, a simple basic thought. But you are intuitive. (laughs) No, I mean, you are intuitive. You are intuitive. (laughs) That whole group, you guys, that whole group over there is intuitive. (laughs) 
Casey and Danielle. No, but you are really intuitive. I mean, like I said, I, I heard you on these episodes, and that was kind of like what drew me. Right. I'm just, just sharing that last thought was just bare bones. So just, you know, there's no more, no less. But here's the thing. Can I say something about that? And this is for my listeners, too, because people do, um, you know, they come with questions a lot about like, oh, how do I develop this? And it's like, honestly, my answer always is like, you have to start by honoring and acknowledging like the intuition that does come through. And look, I, I mean, I want you to know, truly, I'm someone who really for a long time discounted uh yeah I think like the value and the depth of what was coming through and I just think there's something about acknowledging what comes through owning it as intuition trusting it uh which means like speaking it believing in it even if it turns out something's off like mm-hmm. that's okay like being willing to like be in that unknown where okay maybe you know, maybe it came through in a certain way or maybe the interpretation was off, but it's like, it starts with the, just the ownership and the acknowledgement of like, yeah, "Yeah, this is my intuition. This is what comes through. I trust it. It's like a furnace. It's like the more that you allow it, acknowledge it, the more strongly it starts Mm. to come through. So I'm not saying maybe you don't really care about, you know, developing your intuition, but I want to say I experience you definitely as very sensitive, very intuitive. And so I would just maybe invite you to not dismiss yourself as... We'll we'll take that. (laughs) (laughs) We will take that. And then see where it wants to go. Deal. All right. Well, that feels like a good resting point, right? I think so. I think we covered a lot. I feel we covered. Yeah. That much I do feel. Things got covered. Deanna, it was such a pleasure to have you here. Um, tell me, where can people find you and what should they know about you? Okay, so you can, yeah, it's like, who who, who am I sitting across from right here? <laughs> who came into my apartment? <laughs> who is this woman? <laughs> um, I, uh, you can find me at Deanna M. Chang in the spots. Um, I started a company in December called The Montage Queen. You can find me at the Montage Queen. It has been the most special experience. Oh. It's for birthdays, anniversaries. I recently did a living memorial for someone. So you're creating video montages. I am. And I do classic montages for parties and bar mitzvahs and things like that. And then this is another package, which is called the Party Line, which is like, you have a friend. We connect. I hear about the friend. Pull a couple prompts together put a web page together and then your friends would send me videos and answer the prompts and then that all gets cut together and it's a present for the birthday person go to the montagequeen.com if you're interested um, but it has been such an incredible experience to connect with people in this specific personal way mm-hmm. and create something really beautiful and funny and fun for them based on like their love of whoever they want to celebrate. And one thing I want to make sure that the listeners know about that you mentioned t- to me is that anyone who is listening to this podcast, anyone who has, you know, a friend or a loved one who they would like to make a montage video for, maybe someone who has a birthday coming up or, you know, an anniversary or some sort of celebration, if you go to the montagequeen.com and if you email Deanna and you mention me, Jamie, or this podcast, um, you will get $20 off your montage video. 
Well, thank you for being here. Thank you for having me. I'll have to have you back if you're willing. I'm already back. Okay. <laughs> and as always, you can find me on Instagram, Jamie Stein, J-A-M-I-E-S-T-E-I-N. And um, if you are curious about my work, head over to my website, hollywoodreadings.com and send me an email. And as always, thank you guys for being here and I will see you next time. <laughs> <laughs>